Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. We're starting a new series called Living the Dream. Uh, it's a four-week series, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, um, uh, we're excited about talking about what our culture seems so obsessed with. Our culture is obsessed with living their best life. Um, how many of y'all have seen that recently or got a message about that? Like I, I um, one of our friends texted us this week. They they had uh, their child on vacation and they got to go to a place of all places for them. And they they sent a video and a picture and they said, come on, he's living his best life right now. Well, what they didn't know is I had traveled to Fredericksburg, uh, Maryland, uh, about a three-hour drive to meet with another lead pastor of a really large church and just learn from him and hang with him and just just connect with him. And I asked his assistant afterward, I'm like, I love food. Anybody love food? All right. Okay. I said, where can I get something I can't get back at home? And she was like, man, there's an Italian deli right around the corner. You should go there. Man, I got me some shaved pork like you ain't ever had before. All right. And I had the sandwich. But the problem is when I went to leave, they had this big, you know, cafe of Italian homemade desserts with an espresso bar. Come on, someone. Jesus, help me. I was like, how am I supposed to? And being the good husband I am, I looked at it and I thought, my wife needs one of those. She doesn't love desserts that much, but that was a good excuse for me to approach the dessert bar and say, I'm looking for something my wife would like, and I found something I thought she'd like. She didn't like it. I got to finish it later, but anyway, (laughs) but I said, this place got to make an almond croissant, man. I am a sucker for almond. I, I love almond. I go to weddings just to have the wedding cake. Don't get that funky wedding flavors. Don't go with chocolate or something different. Get that almond-based wedding cake. That's where it's at. I hear somebody saying, yes, you better preach that. Okay, anyway, listen, I, I like almond. I end up with almond cake. So when I got that text, uh, CarPlay told me the text, he's living the dream. I almost snapped a picture of the almond cake and said, I'm living my best life right now, too. <laughs> Come on, because that's how superficial we make it sometimes when it's living the best life. Maybe you've read somebody's post hashtagged living the dream because they went on a vacation of all vacations. You're like, man, if I had my feet up and on that beach there too, come on, I'd be living the dream too. Or maybe you've heard the phrase from your coworker when you say, hey, John, how you doing today? And they're like, living the dream. The sarcastic living the dream. The idea is that we're all centered around our endless pursuit of more. We're all trying to get more and more. In fact, here's a lie that I believe we can all agree on today. But a lot of us have been bought into this lie, including myself at times in life. And that is this. If I could just get that, I will be happy. (laughs) That is different for every single one of us. It's different for us today and it might be different for you tomorrow sometimes it changes with the hour or the minute but we think like when I walk up to an Italian deli and I say if I could just have a slice of that I'd be happy come on like um it it, it could be people it could be jobs it could be cars it could be relationships it could be um um all kinds of things we 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 tend to buy the lie from time to time that if I could just have that I'll be happy in life and the problem, the problem is that it just causes us to chase carrots. It's like 
The old metaphor of a donkey who's got a stick in front of him with a carrot hanging. And if he could just bite it, if he could just reach it. But the problem is the the ball keeps moving. The the goal keeps shifting. And that's what we find too, as I have found in life, that when I chase anything other than God, I find that it's like a a never-ending reach for, and, and, and it's empty. And here's what I'm most concerned about today. Is that the bank that holds our promissory note on the culture's dreams is a bankrupt bank. In other words, we buy a cultural dream. We, the culture says, if you can date this person, if you can have this bank account, if you could have this title, if you could have this job, if you could be this funny. And, and, and culturally, we start reaching for a, a carrot, thinking that if I could only get that thing, then I'll have arrived, I'll have reached significance in life, I'll have happiness in life. But the problem is, there are so many of those dreams that the culture told us that are bankrupt. It's a promissory note from a bankrupt bank you I've, I've met too many people we know too many celebrities who got there only to say that they are miserable the divorce rate's too high their addictions are higher than ever uh, their depression levels that they try to mask from the world is up there i as a pastor have met with many people who have reached all kinds of successes across the grid and they'd say that that promised land is empty it is not the promised land Nothing short of knowing God is the promised land. And and so some of us are chasing dreams. They might be good dreams. Others of us are chasing destructive dreams. But if they're not in alignment with God's word, then I, I fear that you don't know yet that the promise is empty. Because I went after those things as well. And... um. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, Write this down. You will waste your life living for a culturally defined dream. I'll spend the rest of my message trying to back this up and convince you. You will waste your life trying to live for a culturally defined dream. And isn't it odd that the culture keeps shifting the dream? It keeps shifting the goal. What it is, this era is different. The next era, what it is with this leadership is different with that leadership. What it is it, when I was in high school is different than when you were at, come on. That, that's why 3,000 years ago, uh, a writer, the wisest person ever lived, a king of Israel named Solomon, wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. He wrote that because he's so wise, he wanted to write a word that no one else could spell so he could laugh at how wise he was. And, and <laughs> That was a joke. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> Ecclesiastes is a book that if you've ever read it before, it has an ominous tone to it only because he, he is a wise person who said, I've decided to search all of the world and, and, and all of the dreams that the world defines and tells you to go after, and I'm searching for meaning in life. And here's a few thoughts that he shares with us throughout his book, and he wrote it to keep it 100 for you and I so that we don't have to make the same mistakes, so that we don't have to try our hand in every new thing and figure out if there is a promise at the end of it or if there is an empty um, bowl of gold there. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And isn't this the world we live in today? 
Oh, I like what I saw yesterday, but I need to see another one today. Uh, uh, the moment we are done binging one series, we're like, that's awesome. Great. I need another one. Social media, give me another one as equal or better than the last one. Come on. We are just constantly looking for the next thing, just trying to fill our tank with all kinds of things. And the problem is we are seeing a lot. We are hearing a lot, but we're not finding the contentment we're looking for. The culture's lure of needing that to be satisfied is ever elusive. It's chasing carrots. I just can't get it. In fact, that's why Solomon wrote it this way. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is utterly meaningless. His word in the Hebrew when he wrote the word meaningless was a hard word to translate into the English language. The true word is havel. The, the Hebrew word havel, havel, utterly havel. And that word havel is not necessarily meaningless. That kind of describes it. It is vapor, vapor. All of life is a vapor. In other words, it's really hard to grab onto. <laughs> See, y'all tried to control life a little bit. Like, come on, do this thing. Come over here. Come on. It's just, it's elusive. It's, it's really difficult to get a grip on my life. It's really difficult to understand what's going on. The moment I think I understand it, 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 it eludes my grip. It's like the moment I... Think I'm understanding my wife, it changes a little bit, right? The, the moment I think we're clicking with my kids, it's changing a little bit. Like the moment I finally like my position and my boss, things change a little bit. And, and I'm trying to control it and I'm trying to understand. I just can't get a grip on it from time. And, and, and he's saying that it's vapor, vapor. Life is just like a vapor. 38 times he uses this word to describe life because it's hard to grab onto. There's very few things that are firm. Like society says, if I do this, I'll have that. And why don't I have that? And, and, and it's unpredictable. Like we never know when the wind comes in and moves it all this way or that way. And, and it, it's vapor, vapor, our life is like a vapor. So Solomon describes searching all the ways that the world defines a dream. He literally writes 12 chapters. Um, chapters 1 through 11 are describing all the various ways that culture has defined dreams. And I tried that. He says, I've tried sex. I've tried pleasure. I've tried material possessions. I've tried entertainment. I've tried status symbols, money, food, alcohol. You name the sin, and I tried it. And I found that it didn't work. It was kind of like the moment I thought I had it under control, I had nothing. It was empty. It was vapor. It was meaningless. You know, he said, I, I realized that I can't keep it, and I can't control it longer than a second. That's why any other high in life, you can't keep it very long. The hit that you worked yesterday is not working tomorrow the same way, and it doesn't last as long. And, and, and the recognition that worked yesterday, I need more of it today. And so whatever it is that is feeding your soul, life seems like a vapor. We need a better answer, he's saying. 
You know, I, I've been a coach of many different teams of coached basketball and soccer in our, in our public and private high schools. One year, I got to be a football coach. Now, I love football, but I, I've never played it. So I was just a character coach. <laughs> I was just there to be a chaplain. I'm like, that's all right. I just want to hang around football players, hit them in the helmet and go, let's go. Come on. Yeah, just stuff like that. Just bark crazy things act like I know what I'm doing, you know, and I'm just hit them on their shoulder pads. Yeah, babe. Yeah, and so I don't know, maybe I needed to fix something that I never, I never played it. So anyway, um, but I was a character coach. And one thing that I learned is that I would talk to some of these players about their meaning and purpose in life. And I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? And they're like, well, I want to play pro sports and life is football. I'm like, what happens when you lose the championship? Do you cease to have meaning in life? What happens if, God forbid, what happens if your knee blows out? Because I've seen a few people lose an ACL out here playing football. So what happens if that happens? Does the dream go away? Do you lose meaning in life? And the same thing could be true for you. What happens if that bank account that means so much to you, all of a sudden recession hits and the retirement goes down? Or what happens if that girl leaves you or that guy leaves you? Have you lost your meaning in life? We can, we can try all these various things, but the fact of the matter is that we are trying to grab onto things by the culture's definition of a dream. And the problem is they are empty, but that doesn't mean this. Here's the worst part. There's consequences for it. There, the consequences still chase us even if we no longer chase that cultural dream. In fact, if you don't believe me, ask any person who's lied before. You could be forgiven, but that doesn't mean the consequences don't still chase you. It doesn't mean there aren't still consequences. And that's why our, our, our world gets amped up on, um, um, that's why STDs are high. That's why d- depression is high. That's why anxiety is high. That's why frustration is high. That's why anger is high. Because we, we keep trying these different dreams and, and we're trying out things. And Solomon's saying, quit. I did all that just to say they don't work. It's like a vapor. And that's not the way to go. I defined it like this. Sin is like itching poison ivy. Anybody had poison ivy before? Holler at your boy. Okay, listen. In 2020, I might have had a little bit of cabin fever. And so I decided, you know what? I'm done seeing these four walls. I'm going for a little nature walk. I went on a nature walk a little too deep into the nature. And uh, nature touched my leg. Okay. It touched my leg. Next thing I know, things are a bit itchy. Now, how many of y'all know when you got poison ivy, your wife can tell you all she wants. You should not itch that. But the moment you do, you're just like, oh, that feels so good. <laughs> oh, that's everything I wanted to do. It feels so stinking good. And yet, you know, this is making my future worse. But the moment, it feels so good. <laughs> Sin is like itching poison ivy. It feels so good in the moment, but we know this is jacking up my future. Boy, I'm going to pay for this. I'm making my leg really red. I'm going to have blisters everywhere. I'm never going to be able to show my skin in public again because I am jacking up my future. But in the moment, it feels so right. (laughs) Itch this thing. 
We all got itches in life. We keep itching and we know God's going, don't itch that. <laughs> you know it's jacking up your future. You know it's not going to, it's fleeting. In fact, this is how um, Hebrews 11.25 says, Paul described it as the fleeting pleasures of sin. Because it doesn't last very long, does it? And then you're left with your consequences. Guys, this is why virginity matters. We need to restore the value and the virtue of that again. Because it matters that you don't itch something that is only going to jack up your future. Come on. We, we, we might have sexual temptation, but that's why virginity matters. That's why purity matters. This is why sobriety matters. This is why honesty matters. This is why integrity matters. Because when we just live for the moment, we know we're jacking up our futures. We know the next morning is not going to be pleasant. We know there's going to be consequences to deal with and we know there's a good God who can forgive us but the problem is we should stop chasing all the culture's definitions of the dream because they're not working in fact here's what C.S. Lewis said the culture's version of living the dream is the long terrible story of a man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy this is our world he says it so brilliantly that living for the culture's dream is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Problem is, it wears off really quick. It doesn't last very long before they're on to the next destructive, culturally defined dream. So we need a better way. I'm so glad that Solomon continues his book. And he continues to write some things that we need to consider. Here's Ecclesiastes 7. Two and four. Look at this. This is brilliant. Everyone dies. <laughs> Thanks, Solomon. Man, it's going to be a bright, awesome day. I love waking up in the morning to read my Bible, only to read, hey, here's some good news for you. Everyone dies. All right, cool. It's like Solomon, so brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. You're awesome. Listen, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having, what's those next three words? A good time. In other words, a wise person knows this is not the end of my life. Like, there is a future, and there's going to be consequences, and I'm thinking about the future. A fool just goes, who cares? Throw caution to the wind. YOLO, you only live once. Come on, baby. Let's have some fun, regardless of the consequences. We got to realize that a wise person thinks about the future. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about now or are you thinking about your future? Because whether you think I'm talking about earthly timeline, that, that still works. But also, this isn't our home. What's going to happen to you after you die? The wise think about the future. In fact, Take a picture. Y'all don't get too excited because I got a lot more to go. Okay, don't get them lulled to sleep, all right? These are some really comfortable chairs, all right? So we're going to have to <laughs> take a picture of this. I know it's a little bit long, but this is important to understand. Living for the feel-good today is frustrating your conscience, which is worked up about the consequences of dealing with it tomorrow. Uh, I need to say this again. 
living for the feel good today, it's frustrating your conscience, which is worked up on the inside that we're going to have to deal with this tomorrow. This is why anxiety is so high. You ever told a lie before and you know, I got to maintain this lie and I don't know how to maintain this lie and I don't know what creative thing can come to me tomorrow and therefore I'm anxious because I'm carrying a lot on my soul. My soul is working in overtime. I am not at rest. I am not at peace. I do not have peace because I'm worried about the ramifications of yesterday's sin. And so what I want you to understand is that Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in every single human heart. Which means, as much as you try to do surgery to nullify it, your heart thinks about, where will I end up when I die? Your heart thinks about, there are consequences to tomorrow. And so let me sum up my whole message in three succinct points. That, number one, Satan's dream is for you to live held hostage in the moment. Put that up there. Put, put, put that up there so that they got that. Number one, that Satan's dream is for you to live hostage to the moment. He loves it when you don't think about tomorrow. He just wants you to think, you have earned a triple scoop of ice cream today. <laughs> and so I'm the guy in line going, I don't need it. I don't need it. Oh, you getting cake batter? That sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds pretty good. And you know what? Just, just give me one or three scoops. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you know what that's like? That's like itching poison ivy. In fact, I learned best from experiential 4D messages. How many of y'all like... Uh, feeling things, touching things. It helps you learn best. Okay, so I asked our host, I brought a whole bunch of poison ivy and I've asked them to bring it out here and rub it on each one of you. So that, what? You don't want that? Then why would you rub up with sin every single day? It's just like saying, hey, anybody got a leaf of poison ivy? I'm feeling good today. <laughs> I just want to deal with the ramifications of it. Come on, we know that's not wise. We know that's foolish. And Satan loves to hold you hostage to the moment. I have to. Did you see their post? I need it too. Come on. Car dealer says, it'll be the best decision of your life. And you're like, yes, sign me up for $60,000 worth of a car. I don't know how to pay for it tomorrow, but I'll look good. Somebody told me I'll look good. And I held hostage to the moment. Right? There's so many versions of sin. I'm an equal opportunity offender. Don't, don't take just one of these. We all deal with it. He loves for us to live hostage to the moment. Maybe it's just anger. Dangling the bait, going, take it, take it, take it, take it. But, and this is a big but, number two, God has put eternity in every single heart, which means we're going, I know I want it, and I know there's a strong desire for it, but I'm thinking about how this will play out tomorrow. And I'm thinking about how this will play out when I stand before my Father in heaven. And so write this third one down. You'll never live the dream sacrificing your eternity for modernity. Modernity is a creative way that rhymes with eternity. That means living for today. <laughs> Listen, your soul 
will never feel like you're living the dream when you know I'm sacrificing my eternity for a feel good right now. You can write it. You can hashtag it. You can act like it, but you know your soul's going, what the heck are we doing? Why are we going down this road? We know there's going to be consequences. What we're doing is we're putting our future on the altar and we're killing it so that we can have just a few fleeting moments of pleasure. How do I know this? John 10, 10 says, a thief is there to steal, kill, and destroy. He loves when you live in the moment. He says, but I came so that you could have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Sounds like he's saying, hashtag living the dream. You want to live the dream? You got to get connected with Jesus. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is that we need God. In fact, for the next three weeks, I'm encouraging you, come for the next three weeks. You could, for some of you, you've never had perfect attendance in your life. I'm giving you an opportunity to have perfect attendance for four weeks. Come on, just, just make it four in a row. You get perfect attendance today. One out of one, baby. Here we go. Come on, we start a new thing. Here's why. We're going to talk about some of the cultural dreams that kill God dreams in our life. Like the fame factor. How our need to get famous can cause us to go down and chase carrots we were never caused, uh, called to. The need to be noticed or trending or it's an elusive chase. You know, our next generation is wondering why YouTube influencer is not on the job market description when they go to college. Because everybody's looking to get trendy. Everybody's looking to become famous. The second one is the comfort killer. The world tells us that you'll be living the dream when you get comfortable, when you drive that, when you wear that, when you, when you go there, when you do this. But the problem is that you can't live for comfort and faith at the same time. And um, it's, uh, living by faith is the only way to please God. And finally, the third one is the disease to please. Oh, come on. The need for affirmation. The need to say yes to everything, even when we know our soul is saying no. Our God is saying no. Holy Spirit is saying no. It robs us of life. But let me finish with this. Some might be thinking, Pastor Drew, I think I may have already killed God's dream in my life. I might have gone, I've gone too far already. I don't, I don't even know if I can go back. This is all... Great, but I'm not sure if I can. Can I tell you that our God is the God of restoration? Our God is the God of redemption. Our God is the God of mercy. Our God is the one who says, I'll give you double for your trouble. Come on. Our God is the one who looks to restore. Even Solomon was saying that it's not too late until it's too late. And so here's how Solomon closes his book in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. After saying 11 chapters of this don't work, this don't work, this does not work, this does not work. He says in the final chapter, he says this. Don't let the excitement of youth, in other words, impulsiveness or immaturity or living for the moment. You don't have to be young to be a victim of this. Right? Where you just go, oh yeah, I'll take that too. Right? Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Remember him before the door to life's opportunity is closed. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. In other words, he's saying it's not too late until it's too late.
You, God wants to forgive you. You have not screwed it up enough. Satan's biggest lie is to go, you already jacked up your life and you are hopeless. You are miserable. You are a terrible person. Please don't tell, please don't embarrass yourself and anybody else by telling that pastor that you need forgiveness. Come on. I'm telling you, God is the God of restoration. God is the God of redemption. This Bible says that Jesus will come back a second time. What is he waiting on? The Bible says he's waiting on God telling Jesus, hold up. There's still some of my sons and daughters on earth who have not chosen me yet. They're still lost and they're living for a culturally defined dream. They're mixed up. They're confused. And if we send you back today, they'll end up in eternity in hell. Hold up. He's literally holding back Jesus coming a second time for you because he loves you. He is in love with you. And so what do I do now? That's what people ask Peter. And Peter said, the apostle Peter said in Acts 2, 38, he says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's what we're about to do in a minute or two. I'm going to give you an opportunity right from your seat without embarrassing you to repent of your sins and turn towards God. That's the first step. And then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And what I love is we're going to take that step on week four of this series. So in just three weeks, you could be baptized. If you've made this decision or if you know right now God's tugging on your heart today to give your life to Christ, then I'm excited that your next step is baptism in three weeks. You can sign up on liftsby.com slash events. And he says this, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you think, nah, who's that promise for? That was for them. He says this, no, this promise is for you. This promise is for your children. And this promise is for those who are far away. Pastor Drew, I might have already killed the dream. Good news is this promise is for those who are far away. You could be really far from God, and today God will make that right through the blood of Jesus Christ who already died on the cross to forgive you of all your sin, shame, regret, and guilt. And Lord knows I needed it most. So in August of 2002, college student at LSU ranked the number one party school in the nation. I realized that Jesus died to set me free of my sin, and I got a lot of it. And if this is true, then I want in on that deal. And in a moment like this, the pastor said, who wants to ask God into their heart? And I said, me. And I let God forgive me of my sin. And I let God forgive me of the mistakes I made. And I've been living for him ever since that day. I want to give you that opportunity with every head bowed, every eye closed. Sin sounds good in the moment. The problem is your life is but a vapor. It means you know it's going to end. Think about the end. How's it going to work? God has abundant life for you. He's got an amazing dream for you. But it starts with repentance. Repent of your sins and turn towards God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward. I just want to give you the opportunity to get your soul free, to get some peace on your inner person because you know it's living in anxiety about the consequences of past sin. But I'm telling you, your soul can be at peace today when you know that I have gotten it right with God, that no matter if my day comes tomorrow, later today, or 45 years from now, I am getting my 
life right with Jesus. If you're in this place, no one's looking around. You say, Pastor Drew, I want to give my life to Christ. I got some things to get right with him. Would you just quickly throw your hand up in the air? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. I'm seeing hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your confidence. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for being real. Thank you for not being ashamed. Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the very hope of life inside of me. If you're online and you're like, include me too, write in the chat, get out your keyboard and write, include me too. Just say, I'm in. I'm giving my life to Christ. And all as a church, we're going to join those who raise their hands and we're all going to pray a prayer together out loud, confessing our sins and turning towards God. Come on, let's pray, Live Church. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm so sorry for how I've hurt you. I lived below the standard. And I'm coming back to you now. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. A perfect person. So that me, a guilty person, could trade my guilt for your innocence. That means I'm forgiven right now because of what you did 2,000 years ago. Thank you for dying in my place. I am a new person. I am forgiven, and I want to live with you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Come on and welcome people to the family.